I remember my mom got fired when I was in high school and she couldn't get another job and it was shortly before she was supposed to vest for her retirement. Being young, not really knowing that much about discrimination, I always wondered. And then later on, as I became a lawyer myself, I realized there was discrimination involved. For the Marin Council of Chambers, I'm Stephanie Plant. This is We Are One Marin. And today, we sit down with Karen Carrera. She co-owns Workplace Solutions, where she trains and investigates discrimination in the workplace. Karen moved to the United States from Peru as a child and experienced her single mom's struggles to find a job and support their family. This makes Karen a sought-after lawyer who can counsel employers and employees in two languages. Join us for some continuing education as we learn how Marin works. I am delighted to be sitting down with Karen Carrera today. She is a local lawyer, and I'm going to let her introduce herself from there. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here with you. Oh, I'm delighted to have you. Tell us a little bit about your law firm, if you would. Sure. Well, it's called Villegas Carrera, Inc. It's an employment discrimination and plaintiff's law firm, but I also have now began working at Viegas Carrera Workplace Solutions, which is an offshoot of Viegas Carrera Inc., where I only advise employers and also do sexual harassment and other discrimination and harassment investigations and trainings of employees so that they do not violate employment law. So that's what I've been doing for the past three years. But I was formerly a plaintiff's attorney for many years with Viegas Carrera, Inc. And you said that there's two of you, both women? Yes, both women. It's a women-owned firm. My law partner is named Virginia Villegas. And um, yeah, we've been around for over 20 years. I have an office in the city, and I work only out of my Marin office here in Tiburon. That's great. Congratulations on being a woman-owned business. I think that's a great feather in your cap, I, I guess I'll say. Can you walk us through a typical case that you might take on? Sure. So in the past, you know, before I became solely a workplace investigator and trainer and DEI consultant as well. I used to file lawsuits on behalf of workers, complaints in court for workers who had been discriminated against or harassed at work or maybe not paid their wages correctly and not paid overtime. And most of my clients were immigrant low-wage workers who hadn't just, you know, been taken advantage of at work. That was with me, with my plaintiff's hat. And I did that for over 25 years. And then approximately three or four years ago, I began doing the investigations. And so now what a typical case looks like is that someone, an employer or company contacts me and says, hey, someone at work has complained that they are being discriminated against because of their gender or their race or their sex or their sexual orientation or they've been harassed and or they're being bullied. And then I come in and I investigate as a neutral investigator and I meet with all the parties. I meet first with the person who complained, the complainant, and then I meet with the person who is accused. And then I meet with any witnesses or people who Mm. could corroborate either side. And then I write a huge report (laughs) about Mm. what, like the Cuomo investigation (laughs) comes to mind where I 
tell the employer, this is what I think happened and who I think is credible and why I think they're credible. And this is what I think happened at work. And they use that report to take some kind of action, discipline, terminate or counsel the employee. Hmm. So that's what a typical case is like. Or a training, like I'll come in and do a sexual harassment prevention training for a hundred employees. I'm bilingual, I speak Spanish, I'm an immigrant myself, I'm Peruvian, so I can do these trainings and these investigations in Spanish, which is a huge plus because there's so many Spanish-speaking workers in California. Yes, and I would imagine that brings you a, a lot of business. And I enjoy it, I feel that it's really rewarding, too. Are you traveling most of the state then? Yeah, especially before the pandemic, I was going everywhere, all over California. You know, now I've been able to do a lot of my trainings on Zoom and even do the investigations, even interviewing the, the witnesses and the complainant, the accused on, on Zoom. So I haven't had to go that far anymore, but I'm willing to go. Now that things are opening up, I'm willing to go back if they need me, especially for trainings. Sometimes the trainings are good. I'm sure much better in person. And, and speaking of in person, we are sort of sitting on a big shift in the workplace where a lot of people had to go home. Certainly essential workers maybe did not. But as we migrate back to offices, it seems like not as many people are within the vicinity of their HR department or, or even the water cooler walking down the hall. Are you seeing shifts in any office discrimination issues or any equity issues? That's a really good question, Stephanie, because during the pandemic uh, and the consulting with employers. And I've noticed that I get just as many calls for investigations and trainings in response to complaints of harassment and discrimination during the pandemic, even though things were closed. And also because a lot of the workers that were out there working were essential workers. A lot of them were low-wage workers who had to work. And there's definitely the, the white-collar workers or the exempt workers in offices. Maybe they were working remotely, but not everybody. And that's not necessarily your clientele. I have been asked to investigate some workplaces where it's not with low-wage workers, but because I speak Spanish and that seems to be my niche, mm -hmm. I have been asked mostly to do investigations with low-wage workers and Spanish-speaking workers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You mentioned uh, a little bit ago speaking Spanish and being an immigrant yourself from Peru. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? When did you come to the United States? Well, I don't want to say the, the date because it would it would. <laughs> make me super ancient. So I'm just going to say that I came a long time ago. As a child? Uh, yes, as a child. I was seven years old. My mom, who was a single mom, mm. came here with uh, my sister and I and moved to Los Angeles by herself, all alone, and worked as a secretary and worked really hard mm. to bring up her two girls. And that is brave. Yeah, from Peru, from Lima. I went to high school and college and law school and um, wanted to become an employment lawyer shortly after I, you know, I graduated from law school. Would you say your mother's experience shaped why you chose that career? That's absolutely true. I remember my mom got fired when I was in high school and she couldn't get another job and it was shortly before she was supposed to vest for her retirement. Oh. And I remember always thinking, I, I wonder, you know, 
being young, not really knowing that much about discrimination, I always wondered. And then later on, as I became a, a lawyer myself, I realized there was discrimination involved because she was Latina and she spoke with a heavy accent and she was about to vest in her retirement. So it did have an effect on me, as did her telling me, you know, people make fun of me at work because of my accent. And, th and then just going to law school, I remember I became very politicized coming to San Francisco and going to, going to law school here. I started to see how people were being treated at work and I think it sparked my interest, for sure. And you graduated from Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles and then came right up to law school after that in San Francisco? Right, at Hastings, yeah. You witnessed some discrimination. Did you ever experience any of your own? I recall, you know, more like microaggressions people would say, where are you from? I detect an accent or because where you came from, you probably, you know, don't get it because you were from a village, you know, in, in Peru, right? And I'm like, no, it's a big, Lima yeah. is a really big city. So just little things like that, you'd learn to adapt to those kinds of things. But now, you know, I definitely call people on it if I hear it, but it took a long time. I'm sure. It's so interesting that your line of work put you in such a uh, place to educate others. Yeah, and sometimes people, they don't do it out of malice. They just don't know, you know, that they shouldn't say things like that. Coming from Lima, Peru, if someone thinks you came from a small village, <laughs> then they have revealed their own ignorance, right? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, workplace discrimination and what you've seen as you've moved through your career, I assume you've seen things change too. I, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know that I understand the legal definition of discrimination, but has, you know, what constitutes discrimination changed during the time that you've been practicing this kind of law? It has changed a little bit. Um, there's always new employment law cases coming out constantly. I mean, literally every day, employment law changes. So the legal definition of discrimination hasn't changed, but sometimes other categories are added. Mm. Like for instance, now in California, when you train on a sexual harassment prevention training in California, it has to include training about all other forms of harassment, including talking about LGBTQ issues and, and discussing discrimination and harassment against transgender folks or non-binary folks. So things are added to the law all the time. Of course, there's always cases that are changing the laws slightly, but you would only see that if you're filing a lawsuit. But now, since I'm advising employers and training folks, I see mostly those laws. I'm always keeping up with the trainings and the investigations, what's required at work mm -hmm. to comply with the laws, right? How are the training laws changing or how are the definitions or categories? And how do you think Marin County businesses are doing in that regard? I wouldn't say that I know every business because I've obviously only been hired by a few sure. Marin businesses. I haven't been hired by that many. I think things are changing still. You know, I think things are getting better. I know I've been hired by a, a few Marin 
companies where there was a big need for training, where there was discrimination and harassment at work. And I also do a lot of DEI stuff too in my work, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I sit on the DEI task force here in Tiburon. So I do have to consult with employers about how to make their workplaces more equitable and what that looks like and keeping an eye on DEI as your goal. How's your experience been participating in the task force? Have you been able to affect some change? It's been fantastic. First of all, I, I work with a great group of people on the task force. Everyone's really committed and passionate about the work. I mean, we just went through interviews for DEI consultants, and I sat in on the interviews. It was a great experience to pick a DEI consultant, and that person is then going to do a big audit, a climate study mm. of the hiring practices in Tiburon and then hopefully make some suggestions as to what the town can do to increase its diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's great. Yeah, a lot of cities and towns are doing that, which is wonderful, right? Yes, and then I think at the county level, and it just has to keep going up, right? Right. No, it's a reckoning. It's great. You know, it can only help. And people are more aware that they have to look at their workplaces under a DEI lens. You know, they have to look at diversity, equity, and inclusion and try to hire people that will bring more diversity and make better decisions for all the workers. But in the work that I do as a trainer and a investigator, I do see that sometimes employers turn a blind eye or aren't aware of what's happening on the ground. Mm -hmm. And that's when they get into problems or they give too much power to one manager who's not keeping an eye on things and isn't trained properly. You know what I mean? I do. I think sometimes if someone's been in their position a long time also, it's perhaps harder to train and adapt to the way things are changing, right? We get we get set in our ways. And Marin County is a unique place. The residents of Marin County, depending on how you interpret the census data, are up to 85% white. So there aren't a lot of people of color well represented, yet I think we bring in a lot of workers from other areas. The percentages of people who are in Marin on any given day are probably different than 85% white and 15%, you know, all other ethnicities represented. It's probably a lot more like 50-50 once you, or more when you bring in all the people who are commuting to come to work here. I just, businesses probably need you. <laughs> yeah. Something that comes to mind is some employers will hire, like, for example, they'll hire a Latino manager because they figure, okay, he, he or she can speak to the workers, right, in Spanish. But sometimes the managers are actually not properly trained. So even if, let's say it is a diverse hire, but the manager isn't properly trained. So he or she still, you know, is maybe harassing or turning a blind eye to some of the harassment that's going on, whether it's racial or ethnic or whether it's sexual harassment, especially sexual harassment is what I've noticed that even though we have come a long way, I see so many cases of sexual harassment out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Women, especially women who work in low-wage jobs, especially Latina women and women of color, are still being harassed at work a lot. And just because you hired a Latino manager doesn't mean that you've properly trained everybody at work. So there's still a lot of sexual harassment that, I, that I'm seeing. Marin County is full of small businesses. 
I'm not sure that our small businesses have the budget or even perhaps the inclination to do trainings for their staff. I totally agree. I've seen that in Marin. People just either they, they don't have the, the cash, they don't have the money to do the trainings or hire investigators, or they just don't want to invest in that. Some are too small, maybe to have an HR department, but then they get into trouble. Right. And then someone files a complaint. So it's it's better to be prepared and think ahead. I don't know. And some of it maybe is a toolkit or something, because I think yeah, maybe a toolkit in running a business, a small business with one or two employees or some contract employees or consultants, I often think, number one, you're really busy doing everything from running it to paying the bills to taking out the trash. Number two, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're not experienced in managing a lot of people, you may not know that some kind of harassment training or education is something you, you ought to be looking into. Right. You know, under California law, all employers as long as they have five or more employees, mm. though, they have to provide training within six months of a new hire and every two years thereafter for all new employees and for their managers, two-hour training for their mm. managers and supervisors on how to prevent harassment and discrimination at work. And then a one-hour training to all the other employees. So the question is, are people complying with that? Because I, you know, I don't get that many calls from training in Marin for Spanish-speaking employees. And I'm wondering why that is. Because certainly people have to comply with that. Maybe they are going in-house or getting a free training from the Department of Fair Employment and Housing. But it's not the same as having someone tailor the trainings directly to what's going on and have that one-on-one training where they're talking to you and talking to the workers and asking them like, what do you think about this? And here's an example. A lot of the, the workers that I'm teaching are not that sophisticated. They don't know the laws. They don't speak the language. And they don't know that they have to complain or they complain, but nothing gets done because they're not taken seriously. As employers, employers have to learn how to be more proactive and nip it in the bud right away. And that's through training. I would imagine there's also some fear of retribution for filing a complaint that would hold people back. Oh my God. That's something I always discuss in my trainings. What about retaliation? That's another good question to ask a bunch of workers. Like raise your hand if you feel that you don't want to speak up because you're afraid of being terminated or that people are going to ostracize you, that your co-workers aren't going to talk to you or that you're going to be seen as the tattletale. You know, especially among low-wage workers, there's usually a small community or they know each other or there's cultural reasons, fear of authority. That's another thing that needs to be addressed. It's like, why are people so fearful of coming forward at work? We all have to ask ourselves that question. I mean, I remember being young and somebody grabbing my shoulders at work, the boss, you know, coming in like rubbing my shoulders and not doing anything about it, mainly not because of fear of retribution, but not knowing like what what's going on right now? Like what just happened? And where's the line? Where's the line? I mean, I think it'd be hard to find a woman who hadn't had that experience and either didn't do anything or didn't know what to do. It takes a lot of confidence, I'd say, and a lot of experience and or sadly, 
a lot of those incidents to prompt us to speak up. I'd say that it's true at, at many levels of employment. I'm hopeful that we can continue to speak up about workplace issues of harassment, especially because I'd like to raise a generation of children behind us that don't tolerate it at all. Exactly. I have two sons and I raise children or, or boys who aren't going to do that to anyone at work, are going to treat everyone with respect at work. Those are the kinds of kids we want to raise, right? People who don't accept bullying at work and people who respect others. I brought up my sons that way. I hope that they follow, you know, in my footsteps in treating everyone with respect at work. It's amazing you have had time to have a full legal practice and raise two children. That's a lot to juggle. My husband was helpful, somewhat. No, no, don't let him, don't, don't let him hear me say that. No, he was very helpful. And luckily I had my mom around too when I, I worked full time. I know, I don't know how, you know, you do it without help. Community. And, yeah. If you had any piece of advice for employers and employees, what would it be? Well, for employers, I would say consider hiring an HR consultant or someone that can help you if you don't already have one. Um, make sure you comply with the laws. I know it's tough in California because there's a lot of laws. Just don't put your head in the sand. Be aware and be proactive. That would be my advice to employers. To employees, I think I would tell them they should not tolerate being harassed or discriminated at work and they should tell someone but I realize at the same time that it's very hard to do that but they should try to work with their employer first they should go to the HR department or to their supervisor you know and put something down in writing so that it's not just word of mouth you know it can only help I think because of some of the issues I've mentioned, you know? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, I thank you very much for not only for your professional work, but also for the work that you do where you lend your time. Thank you again so much for joining us today. It's so good to be here, Stephanie. I really enjoyed our talk. Thank you so much for the opportunity Thanks, to be with you. Thank you. If you want to join the conversation, reach us at weareonemarin.com. To reach our guest, find her at vcworkplacesolutions.com. That's solutions with an S. The Marin Community Foundation generously sponsors this podcast. Our theme music is performed by a student at Enriching Lives Through Music. Elm is in San Rafael's Canal neighborhood. Finally, a reminder to support diverse local businesses and shop Marin. <laughs>